From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith, along with Father Chris House. He's the Chancellor for the Diocese of Springfield. He's also Rector at the Cathedral. Amber Servany, I am Andrew Hansen. Good to see you guys. Just War Theory. Mm -hmm. Mm. Who'd have thunk it? You thought it when we were talking about topics because we like to get together and say what you know what would people like to hear about what are some maybe interesting maybe controversial type things or maybe things that it's hard to defend as a Catholic. You brought this up. Now we will throw the hook in there. This was kind of brought to our attention by Trump's action in Iran, which we'll talk about. Uh, but first, the just war theory in and of itself. Um, you've said this to me before. What is it? Is is it a Catholic principle or is it a, is, no. it, is it more of a it's been adopted, but in essence, it really it comes from the thought, the teaching of both St. Augustine and then uh, St. Thomas Aquinas built on that. Then. So is this so. in, like, the code of canon law, like the just no. war theory? Mm-mm, no. I mean, you'll, you'll find— Canonically, is there anything in there on war? No, but it's, the catechism has it, though. Okay. So, so, so spell it out for us. What, um, what are the dot points of justifying war? Well, so you have you have two different in Latin two different terms. They have use and balum, which would be how you are to conduct yourself during a war, in essence. And then there's use at balum, which is about how you can declare war, the right to declare war, and how that takes takes it about. So the whole notion is that there has to be principles. Of course, these there are Christian principles, but at the same time, transcend religion and culture. So these are also pretty much. I believe it's in the UN Charter. I don't know if it's like Article 51 or where at exactly. So these principles have been with us for a very, very long time and still are put out there um, in areas of conflict. It's not the same as it once was where you had, you know, nation state, nation state. Now we have this notion of we have, you know, terrorism and other groups and stuff like that. So it's not as cut and dry as it once was. So, but like, so you basically have like five criteria. So you have to have a proper authority declares the war. They have to have a just cause of the right intention for declaring the war. So it can't be because we want to expand our borders. Okay, we had that problem with uh, Germany in, well, two times in the previous century. Uh, there has to be a probability of success when you go to war. It's just you're not just doing it for the carnage or for the sake of it. It has to be proportionality in that whatever means you're employing has to be proportionate to the threat. So um, one of the areas about that recently we heard about about a month or two ago, Pope Francis said he was going to add to the catechism that nuclear weapons were now going to be completely immoral. You cannot use them. You can't even possess them. And the whole idea, at least for the use, is because a nuclear weapon is disproportionate, because it's, it's indiscriminate. There's no separating between combatants and non-combatants, between military personnel and civilians and stuff like that. So you have to have that uh, prospect of proportionality. And finally, war has to be a last resort. The catechism speaks about this, that in all things, we must strive to avoid war in all things possible. And only if, only when war is the, is the last resort for self-defense, for the restoration of peace, is it allowed. So let me play devil's advocate on the Pope Francis thing, especially when it comes to nuclear weapons. So if we can't even stockpile them, or let alone even if it's immoral to have them, according to Pope Francis, let's just say, okay, we're going to take that stance as a country. It's immoral. We're going to get rid of our nuclear weapons. They're gone. 
Well, then it now opens us up to other countries who are don't think like us, who are not immoral, who can say, oh, well, then let's just attack them because they, they, they're not going to be able to even defend themselves. And that's the problem. And that is the problem. If everybody was operating from the same rule book, that would make perfect sense. But so that's the challenge. Because one of the things he talks about why we shouldn't have nuclear weapons either is because of the rogue state or the rogue group who gets a hold of one. So some madman who uses one. So things like that. So no, your, your, your point is well taken. So yes, um, with all things being equal, it makes sense. But we all don't play by the same rules. So let's get into to some examples. Uh, the first thing is I want to bring up Trump. Now, I, I realize Trump, what happened in Iran, uh, it was a drone strike killing uh, the general Soleimani over there. Um, this was not war, so this doesn't right. fall under the just war theory. Right. So we'll put that aside for a second because we're, we're going to talk about World War II, especially with uh, um, the atomic bomb in Japan and, and was that just. But since this news is current, um, what's your take of that, especially from the Catholic perspective on um, defending oneself versus aggression? What, what's, what's kind of the take you think? Well, I think if you look at, let's go back to World War II. So you look at our involvement or the war itself. What happened in World War II? You had, now I'm, I'm going to look really from both with the Axis powers, Germany and Japan. Both of them, we were never attacked by Germany, but Germany declared war on us. Germany was at war with our allies. Germany had, um, well, first of all, she had marched troops back. She had remilitarized the Rhineland. So had France or England done something about that, probably could have prevented the war. Or when they took the Sudetenland from Czechoslovakia, which was an illegal act, um, that nothing was stopped there. And then finally invaded Poland, and then France and Britain uh, backed up their treaty obligations and declared war. Germany declared war on us after Japan attacked us at Pearl Harbor, and then we declared war on Japan. Germany declared war on us, and then we declared war on Germany. So... Well, Germany or World War II was two aggressive powers who were building empires, and that and because this is before even the whole reality of what was happening with the Holocaust became known. So just the whole empire building, you could argue, it was a moral obligation for other nations to stop that and to so, free those people. And then, of course, there's no moral argument about the Holocaust. I mean, even even if that was the only thing that was happening, many could argue, you could argue through this that. Say even just within Germany, that was happening to to stop that. There was a moral obligation to that. So that that of course that whole situation fell into the category of just war theory uh, for President Trump and what he did in Iran. That the just war theory doesn't even really, doesn't even apply. Well, you, you might be able to argue that with that um, that the idea was to prevent war, or it's a matter of self defense. That would be the argument I think most people would make is that you have this. General Soleimani, who was supposed to be responsible for the deaths of hundreds of Americans. And planning more attacks. Right. So you can argue, is there another imminent threat? That's debated right now as to whether or not that was true or not. So, But you have this actor on the stage who is, you could argue, is a combatant. He's a military officer. He's a general. He's responsible for these things. And so the decision was made to, to kill him, to eliminate him. And so it's done through a drone strike. And that's also a key point because, like, like we mentioned, it's, it's, a, it's a targeted thing. So America was not blanketing a bomb in hopes of, oh, he's down there. We'll, we'll get him with the bomb. It was, it was a very targeted strike, which, which is important when it comes to talking about the, the morals of right. these it, actions. We just didn't carpet bomb an area. We didn't blow up an apartment complex that he was in. We didn't do different things. So, yeah, that's part of it. 
doesn't mean that everything's right about it necessarily because people could argue. I mean, there's one argument that says that we did this to prevent worse things from happening. It's a valid argument. Some will argue, but you risked greater hostility. You could say that. You can make a valid argument from there too. It really, this is the thing about the just war theory is that each person has to walk through these steps and weigh different things. And like I said, even this whole thing with Soleimani, it's related to just war theory, but this isn't a war. No war has been declared here. And this so, but still the morality of these acts, is it self-defense? Is it, what is it? So all these things have to be determined. So when it comes to self-defense, because this just popped in my head, if an intruder comes into your house and you have a gun, can you shoot to kill or are you responsible to try to shoot the intruder in the thigh or in, you know, the leg? Uh, because, you know, you know, maybe, maybe you don't feel your life is a hundred percent in danger. Maybe you do, but what's, what's the moral, what what should someone do in that situation? Or is it just depends on the emotions of the person? I think we say ideally, yeah, if you can, if you can neutralize the threat without taking a life, that's the ideal at the same time though. I mean, I, God forbid I have an intruder in my rectory, but I probably won't be weighing all those options in an orderly, right. neat fashion. I mean, it's just like, yeah. it's just kind of like, we're just, I mean, yeah. So yeah, uh, I think, I think it's everyone's natural instinct. If someone comes to your house, that person is, might very well kill you. Right. So you want to take the percent, but we're on the subjects, but it, yeah. it is that interesting, uh, ethical, moral. Well, the moral imperative always is to preserve life and to avoid the greater harm, the greater evil. So that's all, but in certain situations, there's fog, there's confusion, there's uh, anxiety, all kind of things. Yeah, emotion, so, stress, exactly. everything. Yeah. Um, so now back to World War II and the just war theory. So the criteria we definitely hit for being in a just war with Germany uh, and the Axis powers, let's just throw it out there, um, the atomic bomb. Is right. that is that differ? Was that justified? Is that moral? That's still debated. Um, it depends on who you talk to. It depends on where you do your research. Um most theologians will probably tell you that it was it was not justified. Um, they will say because Japan was on the point of capitulation, that it was a matter of time with blockades and things like that. That uh, at the same time, for those who say no, they weren't on the brink of capitulation because they were arming their own citizens. It would have taken you could have had I mean upwards of I think it was over a million casualties, American casualties, not to mention the Japanese casualties, to actually take the main island to take Honshu. Um it, so yeah, it's uh we're quarterbacking it at this point, right. looking back in history, so that's sometimes easier. But um yeah, it's uh the, the problem with the atomic bomb is that it was indiscriminate. You're not just targeting a military complex, even though you say Hiroshima and Nagasaki were those centers of uh, military industrial production, but it wasn't as you were destroying a center. It was just the collateral damage, the innocence that were taken away in those two blasts. And so, after, because there's right. residual effects of, of that. So right. that's, that one's hard for me to say that was just. It is, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, and it's hard too because we're on one, we're on one side of that equation. Right. We're not, it's not like, we're judging between two other countries who are in conflict. We were part of that conflict, a conflict we didn't start, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and kind of along with this theme, you and I've talked about it before father house of preserving innocent life. And it's kind of like the, the question of, um, in, in that situation, the one, one would argue, well, unfortunately, 
horrifically, killing all these people ultimately saves more people's lives because the war ends. Using that argument, the if we if you know if you if you do this, you're going to save more in the end. Is is that a slippery slope? If you well, it is. Argument? In fact, we would I, I would argue it's an invalid argument just okay. because because fifty innocent lives. If you have a scale, you put fifty innocent lives on one side, and you put fifty thousand innocent lives on the other side. They perfectly balance because I don't care if you have a hundred thousand on one side and you have one on the other. They perfectly balance. Because life is precious and life is sacred, just that one life, and you cannot have the sum total that simply overrides it. You can't have this proportionalist view. It just life is sacred. That's why the church says, at all costs, we have to strive to avoid war. If it happens, there has to be a proper way of waging it that causes the least damage, that causes the least loss of life, and that it can be expediently finished. So sometimes they say that, um, and I actually think there's quite a few studies on it, that after a war, the the consequences are actually positive. What happens to people individually and societies as a whole? Um, and does that at all play into it? I mean, like when they, when you... Explain when they, that more. Like It's like when they did some like, studies like in, in Africa um, after, I, I can't remember when it was, honestly, but it was a war and they went in and they studied the people and it had been you know, people have been massacred and, and whatnot. And so they started to study the people afterwards and how, how much that destroyed their lives, this war that, you know, devastated them. And actually the people grew in virtue. and Because they're like, we don't want to ever have to experience this again. Yeah, and thing. they came together. They unified. So where there was this great division before the war, after the war, there was great unity in people because they desired the, something greater than what they had witnessed. I can um, see that happening, but I guess... That would happen more internally in a country, and you, I think you still have the problems of other countries versus other countries. But that's fascinating. I never, I've never really heard or, or thought about that before. Well, I mean, even after World War II, even in America after the war, there's oftentimes a, t- a period of growth. Yeah, that's or, what I'm saying. It, wealth it, or whatever I, I you want to call I it. I could see a war mm-hmm. unifying a country, but I don't see a war uni- after a war is over. I don't necessarily see it unifying the world. Oh, I don't know about the world, but there's well, definitely— yeah. Well, and after World War II, that was— Easier for us because we were on the winning side. Right. We are, and we were not in the middle of the conflict, actually. I mean, back to back World War champs. Well, yeah, but <laughs> does anybody actually win a war? America. Well, there you go. America. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, one other war uh, to talk about, uh, Father House, Desert Storm. Um, what about that one, especially when it applies to the just war theory? You know, in the, uh, I would argue that's a more clear cut in the modern time because what do we have we have in was august of 1990 iraq invades kuwait one sovereign state invades another and over the course of several months the united nations uh with great pressure from the united states sought to get iraq to leave kuwait they would not do it so you could are over those months then going from august until it was january february of 91 when the actual war started when desert shield became desert storm you had a, I forget how many coalitions that President Bush, Bush the first, got uh, together and that built this coalition up in Saudi Arabia, and we had this massive force. But the whole idea was get Iraq to leave, and they pretty much exhausted all diplomatic possibilities to where the whole point was you have to free Kuwait. And what happened? Kuwait was invaded then. Iraq was driven out. And then, but Iraq was in top. A lot of people said back then we should have taken out Saddam Hussein. We should have put a new government in. You can argue all that stuff, but 
That was not the premise of the war. The war was to liberate Kuwait. And so our forces went in, they went so far into Iraq, and then they stopped. And of course, set up different zones, different things like that. And do bad things happen in just wars? Absolutely. Are there atrocities? Horrifically, yes, things happen. There was the, the incidents of what we call the Basra Road when there were some atrocities that allegedly happened there. So um, that doesn't make a war immoral. So it could be a just war. It had the right aim, but still bad things can happen. Bad simply, in the end, too, because innocent people die during a war, and that's always bad. So pray for world peace. That was your New Year's resolution. It was. Praying for peace. Peace. So so far, we're so far so good. So far we, may so need, good. we may need some more prayers, though. All right. Well, that has been uh, Dive Deep. More podcasts, go to dial.org slash podcast. We thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 